listening to the Life Edit Project podcast, where busy, ambitious high achievers get the tools they need to fight overwhelm and overthinking with balance, self-mastery, and a positive mindset. I'm your host, Elizabeth Burroughs. I'm serving up bite-sized truth bombs in a judgment-free zone based on my perspective as a life coach, wife, mom, and recovering overachiever. We keep it real over here, which usually means some combination of insightful, entertaining, and a hot mess express. So if you're looking for perfection, look elsewhere. But if you're still with me, let's dig into this week's episode. Good day, good people. Thanks for joining me here on episode 31 of the Life Edit Project podcast. We're still rocking and rolling our way through the postseason, which means I'm revisiting some conversations I've had on other platforms and sharing them here on the podcast while I get ready for season two. Today, I've got a special treat for you. What you're about to hear is a clip from a segment that I hosted during the 2023 Her Wealth Conference, the largest all-female virtual conference in the world, hosted by my friend, the amazing Sabrina Victoria. This was recorded live and streamed on YouTube and on all the other platforms to a global audience, and it was super fun. Let me tell you, This was a monster of an event. The broadcast ended up being more than 16 consecutive hours with 24 hosts, including yours truly, more than 100 panelists, and just a crap ton of value and positive vibes. Uh, I spoke about how to create safety and intimacy in any relationship, and then I hosted a panel discussion with five or six other women who riffed on the topic and just brought their own insights to the conversation. So for this episode, I'm just sharing my presentation, my talk, but I definitely recommend that you check out the show notes for a link to the full recording of the conference so that you can hear what the other ladies had to say. My segment appears right around the halfway mark about eight hours into the conference in case you want to tune in and hear the parts of the conversation that I didn't have time to share here on the podcast. And if you like this episode and you decide that you want more of this, book a sales call with me to sign up for my one-on-one coaching program. I will teach you how to create safety and intimacy in any relationship you have without trying to change the other person which is the best. (laughs) Okay, so the link to book that call with me is going to be in the show notes, and I'm ready to get started when you are. All right, that's enough of an introduction for this one. It's time for you to learn how to create safety and intimacy in any relationship. Let's go. Um, before I kind of dig in, just want to introduce myself a little bit. So again, my name is Elizabeth Burroughs, and I am a life coach. So I'm what you would call a general life coach. So when I work with my clients, I can help them with any area of their life. Um, most of my clients tend to be high achieving women that are very, very busy. And we are usually working to help create balance in both their work lives and at home. Um, which definitely means that we are talking about relationships. Relationships always come up. And one of the things about relationships is that, you know, 
because of the way we exist in the world and in society, as women, we have all different kinds of relationships with all different kinds of people. So when I was kind of um, preparing for this, I challenged myself to think like, what are the main types of relationships that we have? And I thought about acquaintances. So the kinds of people that maybe we don't know very well that we see in passing, perhaps we see them frequently, but there's not a lot of depth to the relationship. And, um, and I think it's a fun challenge to think about creating intimacy with someone that you don't know very well. Um, and it seems almost like it might be counterintuitive, but I actually think that there are great ways to create intimacy into any type of relationship that we have, no matter how how deep or how I don't want to say shallow, but how, you know, just fleeting the relationship might be. I think there are always opportunities to work uh, intimacy into those relationships. Um, but in addition to acquaintanceships, we also have friendships. Um, and of course, we can have the we have our work friends. Sometimes we have our, our friends that we've known from high school. Um, if you know you went to college, you might have a group of college friends, and you know we might collect friends in the different organizations that we're a part of. Um, and so we have those friendships where those relationships are really based on some type of common interest um, or common values. And we're not necessarily tied together by any formal obligation. Um, so that's kind of what, how I would define friendships very loosely. Then we have our romantic partnerships, right? So those are the folks that we get booed up with, the ones where we're, we're trying to create those, those partnerships. But there's the, the love and there's the physical element that is often involved there. Um, and those can be short-term or long-term relationships. Of course, it includes marriage. Um, and then I think there's also family. And um, so I, I actually like to say about friendships that friends are the family that we choose, whereas, of course, what we typically call family are the relationships that we're born into. And just because we're born into a particular family um, or a family context does not mean that these are relationships that we would choose if we had the opportunity. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all of that, that those relationships are helpful or safe for us. And so I wanted to just try to kind of ground this conversation in just that context, right? The appreciation that there are so many different types of relationships that we might be having and so creating safety and intimacy has to be contextual to the type of relationship that it is. So I just wanted to start there. Now, a little bit about me and some of the relationships that I have. So I am a wife. So I've been married to my, to my husband, just one husband. Uh, we've been married for almost 12 years now. Um, fun fact, my, I met my husband when we were about eight years old. So we were kids and he always said that he was going to marry me. He always did. And it took me another 20 years before I got on board, but he finally did the thing. He finally married me. <laughs> um, and we, we've had a successful marriage um, ever since. I'm also a mom. So my husband and I share a nine-year-old daughter who is wildly entertaining and very hilarious. Um, and so 
becoming a wife really changed um, a lot of my perspective and has informed a lot of my perspective about romantic relationships, as well as some of the failed relationships I had before I married my husband. Um, and of course, my position as a mother has also informed a lot of my thinking around family relationships. Um, then let's see, what else about me? Of course, I'm a life coach. So that means I have lots of relationships with my clients. Um, and even though I get to know my clients very well, because of the nature of that relationship, I am, I would consider them in the kind of acquaintance bracket rather than the friend bracket because of the nature of our connection. Um, but I'm also a member of a community. So I was born and raised in, in the same community that I live in now. Um, and so I volunteer and have volunteered with lots of different organizations. Um, so I've got all kinds of uh, associations in a professional capacity and a volunteer and a service capacity. So all the things, all that to say, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. And I've got lots of data to kind of inform this, these topics. But um, without further ado, let me tell you, I think that there are three elements that go into creating safety and intimacy in any relationship. And I'm gonna tell you what they are up front and then I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about how they work. So if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do, the three key elements to create safety and intimacy in any relationship are going to be, number one, authentic communication. I mean, any, right? all of us coaches, we saw that one coming, right? Authentic communication is number one. Number two, Healthy boundaries. Yes, one of my favorite things to talk about. And number three is going to be what I am calling elective vulnerability. Elective vulnerability. So let me tell you a little bit about what all three of these things mean. So authentic communication is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's communicating, right? So it's expressing your thoughts and ideas, but doing it in an authentic way. So there are lots of ways to communicate inauthentically, right? And all kinds of inauthentic communication really just serve to sabotage our relationships and they can actually prevent us from deepening connections with, with others. And so when we communicate, it's really important that we're doing it with honesty and that we are um, really grounding ourselves in staying true to ourselves, right? That our communication represents the truest form of who we are. Otherwise, how will the people that we're in relationship get to know us? And how can we create intimacy if they don't know us? So I think that there are three simple um, things that we can remember to do that will keep us on track for authentic communication. So the first one is to identify. So before you can communicate something, you've got to be able to identify that thought, that feeling, that preference within yourself, right? So authentic communication does not happen unless you have some bit of self-awareness, right? And I think that's really important. I think so often with relationships, relationships are tricky because it is a dynamic situation where how we show up impacts the other person and how the other person shows up impacts us. And it becomes very easy if we're not careful to blame whatever the condition of the relationship is on the other person or the other party, right? But because the relationship is impacted by, you know, the inputs from both people, each of us individually has the, the opportunity to enhance a relationship 
to make it better, no matter what the other person is doing, because you change whatever relationship you're in, depending on how you show up. So the first thing that you've got to really take responsibility for is knowing yourself and committing to staying true to yourself, right? So you want to identify what it is you're thinking, what you feel, what you like, what you dislike, and and really obligate yourself to say those things, right? And to communicate those things. And it doesn't always have to be with words. Um, It can be by, um, you know, sometimes our physical actions, our body language. Um, For me, it's facial expressions. This face gives away a whole lot of authentic information, right? Um, So there are lots of ways that we can communicate, Um, but, but communicating what is truest about yourself, that's one. The second part of authentic communication, I think, is to verify. This is so big. I love this point. So it's really important to verify your thoughts, your assumptions, and your interpretations of the other person in the relationship. Because so much of what happens in relationships is based off of what we think is happening with the other person, right? Um, How many of you can relate to the situation of um, mishearing something that your partner has said. <laughs> I see we got some hands raised, right? Um, if you, if, if, and I look, I'm going to raise my own hand, right? So my husband might say something or ask a question. And if I'm only half listening, right, I think he said one thing, but he said something else. So I go on to answer this question. He's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm answering the question. And now I'm upset because he, I think he's not listening. And I think that he's, you know, going back and forth. And here we are just miscommunicating, right? Um, whereas a way to kind of interrupt that is just to verify, did you say, you know, what's for dinner? Or did you ask me, like, how many times I've watched this episode uh, on Netflix, right? Because those are two different answers. And so just stopping and, and committing to checking in and verifying your assumptions and again, your interpretations as well that are coming from the other person. This can really, um, I cannot over, over accentuate how much safety this has the potential to create in your relationships. When you learn to verify what you think is happening and you can respond to the reality instead of a perception that doesn't actually exist. Um, it means that we are actually operating in the relationship that is and not one that we are imagining in our heads. Okay, so those are the first two things with authentic communication. The third part of authentic communication, this is good, is to demystify. So we've got identify, verify, but thirdly, demystify. And what, the, what this means, um, how many of you know that the other folks are not mind readers. (laughs) So if you want someone to read your mind, you better write it out for them, right? So demystify whatever it is that you're thinking, whatever it is that you're wishing, whatever it is that you're hoping for, say that, right? Communicate it, share it, express your expectations for the relationship so that there are no guessing games. Because anything that you are not explicitly communicating creates opportunity for the person that you're in relationship with to misinterpret, right? And again, whenever there's ambiguity and misinterpretation, we're actually undermining the safety that we have in a relationship. So if you have an expectation that your romantic partner is going to 
um, be, be monogamous, right? But you never communicate that and they never agree with it. Uh, and, oh, okay. I've, I've been in this. I, so fun, fun story. When my husband and I first started dating, um, it was casual and there were no labels attached, right? Um, and I had to learn when I started developing more serious feelings for him, I had to learn where is the point where I demystify this thing that I'm feeling for him. And I say out loud the fact that the way my feelings are set up, I will only feel safe in this relationship if he is exclusive, if we are exclusive together, right? Um, and if I went too long without saying that, there could have been major potential for us to hurt each other, right? So it was so important to just demystify, right? Say the thing that the other person needs to know to be able to give you the kind of relationship that you are looking for. So that's authentic communication. The second element that goes into creating safety and intimacy in any relationship is healthy boundaries. Now, I said it already, I'll say it again. Boundaries are one of my absolute favorite things to talk about. I could do a whole two hour masterclass on just boundaries. So just explaining this in two minutes, um, I feel like does not do the topic justice. But in a nutshell, boundaries are just very simply limits that you set to preserve your feelings of safety and well-being. And because of this, this means that one, you have to be aware of what makes you feel safe, right? And also what makes you feel unsafe. And it's also really important to honor the fact that your feelings of safety may be different than, than what actually is safe. This is so important. Feeling unsafe in any particular situation in the context of a relationship does not have to mean that you are in danger of being harmed. It simply means that you feel more safe when you are giving yourself a larger buffer from potential harm, right? So boundaries is setting a boundary in the context of a relationship is not about the other person. It's not saying I don't feel safe with you, so I have to create this boundary. All it means is this is where I feel safest, period, end of story, right? So you have to know what feels safe for you in the context of a relationship. And because boundaries are for your protection, it's also really important to remember that your boundaries are not designed to control the other person, right? So setting a boundary for you also means that you are making decisions about where you will go, what you will tolerate, right? And how you will extricate yourself from a situation that feels unsafe. And it doesn't require the other person to do anything different because it's your boundary, not theirs. And I see we've got a comment coming in Lucas is saying that makes sense. Yes, I think boundaries are so wildly misunderstood that we've got so much work that we could do around boundaries. But like I said, I could talk for two hours about boundaries. I needed to give it at least two minutes, right? But just understanding that healthy boundaries, ooh, yes, let me also say that, emphasis on the healthy. Um, you can absolutely have unhealthy boundaries, right? And, and an example of an unhealthy boundary would simply be ignoring what makes you feel safe, right? And constantly violating your own boundaries, 
right? Um, and I would actually say that authentic communication helps to reinforce healthy boundaries, right? When you are aware of what uh, gives you a feeling of safety in a relationship and you commit to communicating that authentically, that is part of honoring your boundaries. And it's so important. Um, so, and again, to demystify your boundaries, tell the person you're in relationship with, right, where your limits are. Sometimes people violate our boundaries. They cross those limits and make us feel unsafe simply because they don't know the limit exists, simply because they don't know where our comfort zone ends, right? And we need to commit to demystifying that whole process so that we give the folks we're in relationship with a chance to honor us. Boundaries are an invitation for support. Ooh, isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful way to think about boundaries. I just made that up. Boundaries are a way to invite people in to support us, right? Instead of thinking about boundaries as a punishment, right, for bad behavior, boundaries are an invitation to intimacy. I love that. Okay, so now the third thing, the third element for creating safety and intimacy in any relationship is a concept that I created called elective vulnerability. So elective vulnerability is all about making yourself available for deeper connection, right? Because that's what vulnerability does. It opens us up. And the thing about vulnerability is that we're often scared of it because opening ourselves up for deeper connection comes with an inherent risk for opening ourselves up to potential harm, right? But here is the part that makes elective vulnerability different. I invite you all to remember that when it comes to vulnerability and exposing the tenderest parts of yourself, um, and, and please keep in mind that vulnerability is going to look different in different types of relationships, right? So we're not going to be vulnerable with an acquaintance the way we might be vulnerable with a romantic partner, right? So just contextualize that. But the thing to remember with elective vulnerability is that you are in charge of how much exposure you create for yourself. That is why it's elective, right? So vulnerability is a, a posture that you assume in relation to someone else. And it is always up to you. You can get up and leave anytime you want, or you can adjust your posture if it feels uncomfortable, right? And you are always the one that is in control. Being vulnerable is not a posture that someone else can put you in, right? So because the point about vulnerability is that it is not about seeking harm or just opening ourselves up in a risky way. It is about making ourselves available for deeper connection, which is how we get to intimacy. Um, elective vulnerability is going to be based on the principle of allowing yourself to be seen, heard, felt, and accepted. Right? Allowing yourself to be seen, allowing yourself to be heard, allowing yourself to be felt, and allowing yourself to be accepted, right? And all of that sounds just yummy, right? It sounds yummy when I think about feeling accepted by someone else, right? And 
it does mean that we are remembering that there's the flip side to all of that, right? So opening yourself up to all of those things does create the possibility of being judged, of being misunderstood, and yes, even of being rejected, right? But when the gain is being known, right, and being accepted, you get to decide how much exposure you want to create, right, to make yourself available to that gain. And it's going to depend on the context of the relationship. So let me give you an example of um, what elective vulnerability might look like in the context of an acquaintanceship, right? Because I feel like this is this is where we're like, how, how does intimacy play into an acquaintance relationship, right? So let's say you're at a networking event, right? And you've just met somebody. So uh, they seem nice and friendly and um, somebody random introduced you to the person they were talking to. Then they walked away and here you are in this five minute conversation with a stranger that seems nice enough, but how did we get here, right? Um, an example, Example of elective vulnerability um, might be saying to them, you know what, I'm usually at Starbucks on Friday mornings between eight and 10, you know, since you're in this part of town, if you're ever there, if you happen to see me plugging away at my laptop at a table, just come on by and say hello. It'd be great to, to catch up again, right? So that that is an example of making yourself available for deeper connection in a way that makes sense, right? Um, and you don't know how they're going to respond, but it opens the door for them to, when they see you again, they don't have to wonder awkwardly, oh, will they remember me? Should I say hi? You just told them that you want them to say hi if, you, if they ever run into you in Starbucks, right? Um, an example of authentic communication in a similar context of, um, of meeting an acquaintance at a networking event. Tell me your name again. I didn't catch it the first time. Right. How many times have we been introduced to somebody? We didn't hear their name. Their name is, you know, has an, a, a unique pronunciation that we didn't get right. Right. But we're like, oh, I don't want to feel too awkward. And this, that, and the other. And now we see them every time we go to this place and we never remember their name. But now we feel like it's been too long and we can't ask them their name because that would be embarrassing. Right. But authentic communication would just solve that problem. And guess what? It's going to create an intimacy. I always appreciate it when someone asks me my name so that they can know my name. That means you want to connect. Learning my name is a way of honoring me. What a beautiful way to think of that, right? So I just wanted to, to ground that. I hope that that was so fun. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Life Edit Project podcast. I'd love to hear what your favorite moment or key takeaway was from this conversation. You can send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to let me know. My handle is at Life Edit Project, all one word, in all the places. My social media is linked up in the show notes to make it easy for you. Holla at your girl. I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't just stay busy with the life you have. Get busy creating the life you want.